Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by teaching pastor Clayton Keenan and executive pastor Eric Ferris. For the past few weeks, we've been learning a lot from the Gospel of Mark, and Clayton is going to walk us through another passage from the book. But before we do, one quick, fun, get-to-know-you question. Are you guys ready? Here it is. As ready as we're going to be. Let's do it. If you could hire someone to help you with one of these three things, which one would it be? Cooking, cleaning, or yard work? Eric, what do you say? Cooking, cleaning, or yard work? Is this for the rest of my life? Is this like yeah. the stakes are high? Is that you got to do the other two forever? Time? Cooking. Really? I, oh my, yeah. I don't cook. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure my wife would want me to say cooking because then she wouldn't have to cook ever again. Can you imagine like waking up in the morning and just being able to say like omelet, please? Hmm. Or being at work and being able to call home at like three in the afternoon and say, and here's what I'd like for, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. It would be. And I love doing yard work. Okay. That's kind of how I like just it's, relax. It's, it's relaxing That's, to you? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Clayton? Uh, I, you know, if you ask my family, I don't actually do very much of this, but it's because I don't like it, but cleaning. I would definitely say cleaning. Uh, I, I spend most of the, most of my chore time doing yard, yard work, but uh, cleaning is the one I want to avoid. Yeah. For me, mine is yard work. So you guys can come over to my house whenever yeah. you need to, or whenever you can, to do all of my yard work. There's bugs. There's grass. <laughs> there's, there's dust. Bugs. Of course there's bugs. There's, there's bugs and grass. Things flying around. And there's outdoor allergies. things outdoors. There are. Do you yeah. have allergies? Did you yeah, I do. What kind of allergies do you have? I'm allergic to everything, really. She is. She's allergic to oranges. It's true. I, I had to stop bringing oranges for lunch at work because it would set her off if she. Yeah, like the you know oranges. Yeah. Open them up. The orange zest goes in the air and it makes me cough. I have never in my life heard of that. Yeah. It's a, a citrus allergy. Yeah, it's true. Okay. There you go. All right. So. Cooking, cleaning, and yard work. There we go. Each one of us <laughs> got one of them. All right. Well, let's get into it. Clayton, what passage are we talking about this week? All right. We're going to be in Mark chapter 14. Let me give you some context for Mark chapter 14. That's where we start in the comma method. The C and comma is context. That's the first step that we follow. And we ask the question, what is going on around the text? So uh, we, we don't want to take things out of context. So we say, all right, what's, what's going on here? And so we've been reading through the book of Mark. So hopefully you're familiar with what's going on. But here's the interesting thing that happens in Mark. The first half of the book is like rapid fire. One event after the other, after the other. It goes through three years of Jesus's life very, very quickly. But then in the, the last section of the book, when Jesus shows up in the city of Jerusalem, it slows way down. And we get that entire week kind of stretched out. It's almost like Mark wants to say, here's where the really, really important stuff is happening. And so we're going to be looking at a scene that happens uh, just before Jesus is crucified. So it's just the, the second to last day of his life. And this is what happens. So Eric, why don't you read it for us? Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priest and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, 
Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. All right. So the next step in the comma method is... Oh, so it's observation. So we're looking at what's in the text. What do we actually see here? And there's there's no kind of wrong answer to this question. You're looking and saying, okay, what, what do I observe? Even if you don't know exactly what it means, it raises a question for you, or it's something that comes up a few times, or it just is striking. It's just worth noting that and saying, oh, look, I see that. So let, let's start with what are some of your observations, Nikki, Eric? <laughs> yeah, Clayton said Nikki and Nikki point to me. Real nice, Nikki. Okay, so observation number one. Nard does not sound like an expensive anything. <laughs> does anybody know what nard is? I have no idea. But apparently, it is a very... Because it's going to get used as an insult if we don't look it up. And maybe it's not that it was nard. Maybe it's that it was pure nard. That's one of those ones where uh, if you've got a study Bible, that's one of those ones you hope is oh, in the footnote. Is, oh, it, is it in the footnote of yours, see. Eric? Let me see. Uh, what is that verse... What verse is that? Verse three? No, unfortunately, it doesn't explain. Doesn't explain it. Very Wild helpful. Nard. Uh, so all our recommendations of getting a, a study Bible just didn't pay out right there. Okay, so um, so here here is my real uh, observation. Although I think my Nard observation is pretty astute. Um, you have the disciples, the men there, indignant. They're mad. Mm. Yeah, they think that she has done something terrible. Um, and then I went, it just jumped out of me while, while I was reading it. The delight in the passage yeah. is the chief priest. So you have indignance, you know, in, what is the word for that? If someone's indignant, it is, is there a noun form of that? In, in, indignance? Yeah. There's indignance. Okay. I think that's, that's a real right. word. Uh, don't want to make up words in the podcast. <laughs> or we do want to make up words. Indignitude. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> Nard is not made up. We just don't know what it is. Uh, anyway, indignance and delight. Yeah. Right? Indignance towards a beautiful act and then delight a about betrayal. a treacherous yeah. act. Mm-hmm. So that's what jumped out to me. To me, what jumped out was um, I, I feel like Jesus points out two things about this, the, the act of the woman pouring the perfume on his head. One was that um, it was beautiful to him. And the other was that it was all that she could do or had to offer in that moment. And um, that, that stood out to me because I think a lot of times we, um, we have this mindset that uh, maybe whatever we have to offer, our, our prayers, our skills, our gifts, our abilities, uh, whatever you want to call them, our time, our finances, that maybe it's not enough, you know, that it'll be inferior some way. So out of a, this fear of being inadequate. We just don't do anything. And I think this, this passage, that, obser- that observation told me that whatever I do have to give, and in, in this case, whatever this woman did was 
beautiful. That worship was beautiful to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I note the, uh, the fact that she, she took it and she broke the jar, which means she's not getting that back. Like if you have a, a broken jar of perfume, it's, it's all gone, you know what I mean? So, uh, and, and I also kind of, it almost has a, a kind of sensory quality. Like you get that sense of like, what if someone came in here and broke open an entire jar of, you know, perfume or something scented and it filled the air, you know? There, it's a very vivid kind of scene uh, when I think about it. And it feels excessive, like use the whole thing. You, normally perfume, you just use a you know, little bit right there, uh, but she broke the whole thing. What else you guys see? Uh, I love the fact that it's 2020 and we're talking about this woman because Jesus said, (laughs) you know what's going to happen now for the rest of human history? People are going to talk about this woman and what she did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it was interesting. Maybe you guys can, we can, I don't know, we can fill me in on this a little bit, but it kind of brought up a question for me. Um, when when we're reading this passage, the disciples are mad because uh, the perfume could have been sold yeah. and given to the poor. But and that's true; they were correct in their thinking, right? But Jesus says, "You're always going to have people that are in need with you, though, or with you. There's always going to be people around, but I won't be." So in that moment, I felt like he was actually kind of turning the focus off of that and saying, uh, it's not so much about how much this perfume could have been sold for and who the proceeds were given to, but it's more about how you should worship me. And like, it's, is that correct? Like, you, or well, what, feels, what is... It feels uncomfortable right, a little bit. So, Cause, <laughs> I mean, so I, I, we, we work in creative arts, Nikki and I do, and uh, we, we spend money on, yeah, you on the things we do. Yeah. So, and mm-hmm. Eric has to approve budgets on things. <laughs> right. So he knows. And so there are times when you say, could, instead of buying a sound system or in, instead of uh, you know, uh, buying this piece of equipment, should it have been used in some other way? And that's a really, really important question because we want to use our money responsibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus sort of seems like he falls down on the side of creative arts and says, well, oh my you know, gosh. it should be used for worship. But here, let me, let me point something out. Let me point something out. When Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you, that's actually a quote from someplace else in the Bible. Now, I I know that because I recently preached on Deuteronomy, so I happen to remember this. But in case you haven't read Deuteronomy recently, the way you would know that is in most Bibles, even if you don't have a study Bible, it will have notes at the bottom when there's a reference, a quote from another part of the Bible. So if you look down at the bottom, in the bottom of my Bible, it says Deuteronomy 15, 11. Now, you, you won't be able to look up all of the, the phrases that are quoted someplace else because there's, there's often a lot of them, but in places where you're like, what does that mean? That feels a little confusing. It might be worth looking that up. So if you go and look that one up, what it says is this, the poor will always be with you so you'll always be able to take care of the poor. You'll, like, it will always be a responsibility of yours to look out for people who don't have enough. It will, it, it's never an assignment that you shouldn't have. So Jesus, I think in some ways is actually saying to them, you know what? You sound like you're concerned for the poor, but it sounds like that's, that's, a, that's a little bit of talk, not a whole lot of action. Like this is a command that's always been the case. And right now is the moment you decide to bring it up when someone is doing something extravagant to worship me in this moment, you're saying, oh, wait, is, that, is Jesus really worthy of that? 
Because, oh, practical, practical, practical. But where was the practical before? And, and the reason I, I think this too is because uh, Judas is one of the guys. And, and what does he do immediately after this? He says, I'm going to sell Jesus out for money. So my, my hunch is that these are not guys who are like, we, we are given so much to the poor and that's, that's just our heart and we can't stand to see this go to waste. I, I think there might actually be Jesus is calling out the, the condition of their heart saying, no, you always can do this, but you're missing the moment right now. What, what do you think, Eric? That sounds reasonable to me. I'm still, I'm still going back to the whole creative art spending money <laughs> conversation. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of times in these gospel accounts when the disciples are talking to Jesus, you know how often they, they, they come across as if they're kind of getting what Jesus is doing and what he's saying, but not quite, almost always, right? They're almost there, and then, but sometimes they're totally missing what Jesus is doing or saying. And this feels like one of those moments to me, again, where I think there's a little bit of pretending going on. I think you're right. I, I think they're like almost like, like, Dad, we got this one right, right? Like, like <laughs> oh, she shouldn't have done that, like, because we've been around you for a while, and we're the ones that really know you and know what you've been teaching, and we're your guys, right? So sh- we've got this one right? Mm-hmm. She shouldn't have done that. That was a big waste of money, you know? And I don't think it's fully genuine. I think it's more like they're kind of puffing themselves up, like we're the guys, and we're the ones that now stand in judgment over everything else that's going on. And I think, once again, they have it wrong. And, of course, Judas obviously is duplicitous. I mean, we just see it a few verses later. There's nothing genuine about what he's saying if he's saying anything in that conversation. There's also something about how Jesus interprets it, because he actually he says what this means. He, he, he says, uh, you will not always have me, uh, but she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. So he's saying very specifically, this isn't just, you know, something I enjoy. So, I, you know, I'm going to let it be saying, no, the most important thing that ever is going to happen is about to happen. And what she's doing is in honor of the event that's going to save the world. Even if she doesn't fully get it yet, mm-hmm. Jesus has been saying, I'm about to do this. And to say, what, what, what are we going to be singing in heaven? You know, for, for, for all eternity, what's the, what's the song that the, 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 the angels and the people around the throne are singing? Worthy is the lamb who is slain. Like there, there's worship that's going to go far beyond when there, when there are no poor people left. The thing we're still going to be talking about is Jesus dying and rising for our sins. The song we sing forever in heaven isn't oceans. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was the song. I, wasn't that voted in, like, the, the song that sung? Uh, uh, all right. Um, you're not going to answer that? Move us, move us along. <laughs> move us Plain. along. Um, what, one, one other thing I want to point out. Uh, we, we talked about this in uh, a, a previous episode. Uh, we talked about how in Mark they have these sandwich stories. Uh, this is another example of those. I just want to point that out because it's worth observing. There's a, the, the story about plotting to betray Jesus. And there's a story of worshiping Jesus, and then the story of plotting to betray Jesus goes after it. So there's supposed to be a contrast between those two attitudes. What, what are you gonna? What are you gonna? Uh, you know, sell out. You know, uh, what, what are you gonna do with that? Well, the next step in comma is the first M, which is meditation. And what we do with meditation is we zero in on a detail, one of the observations that we have, and we mull it over. And when it comes to narrative stories like this, a lot of times what we're doing is we're using our imagination to put ourselves in the place of the characters that are there. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to take a moment and imagine that we are that woman who has just poured out that perfume. 
And you realize that's a, a year's wages for her. And she just poured it out and she's been criticized for that. And she's waiting on Jesus's reaction. And then Jesus says this, and this is the line I want you to think about. She has done a beautiful thing to me. How would you feel in that moment? What would you think of that? Why would Jesus say that? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Let's move on to the next M in comma, which is message. What, what do we think this means? Where, where, where would you guys uh, focus in on? Uh, I wrote down uh, some thoughts. There's worship with all that you have. Uh, just taking from, from what uh, Jesus said is that, you know, she, she did what she could, you know. And I think for uh, a lot of us, uh, depending on where we are in our life and our faith, uh, Sometimes we feel like maybe we're struggling to, you know, to even pray or to sing songs of praise or uh, to read our Bible or to to give of our finances. And I think um, because we don't think that we can do enough, we just don't do anything. Yeah. And I think for me, it's it's uh, we can worship with all that we have, moment to moment. In that moment when we're maybe we feel distant from God, we can get closer to him by worshiping him and praising him. And it's just, it's just, yeah, just worshiping with what you have moment to moment. You know, don't think that what you have is not enough. What do you think about Eric? What's a, what's a message for you? I'm thinking about the same thing as Nikki, but I'm thinking about it almost in opposite terms. Uh, A very expensive perfume. It's, you know, Nikki, I, I, when you're saying like she brought, what she had, like worship with whatever you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think sometimes people think like what they have to bring to worship isn't enough, yeah. right? I'm not enough. No matter what I do, it's not going to be enough for God, that kind of mentality. But this was a very expensive jar of perfume, mm-hmm. right? And so it wasn't, so when I, when I imagine this playing out, it's not like I imagine this woman bringing something and she's wondering, is my perfume enough? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's not like she brought a cheap bottle of perfume or just a little bit. She brought an extremely expensive bottle of perfume and broke the jar, right? And so I go to the other side of what you were saying and, and say, what, what might I be withholding? Uh-huh. Almost as if it's too much, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah you know, it's like I'll, I'll give a little bit of my time or I'll give a little bit of my money in terms of serving in God's kingdom or seeing God's purposes accomplished, um, but what about extravagance? Like, what about worshiping God with uh, a level of generosity that, ready, other people would criticize and rebuke as being reckless? Yeah. Because that's what's happening in this story. 
Um, and so I'm kind of like the exact same thing you're saying, yeah, no, but I'm I get flipping it. the coin a little bit yeah, and it. pointing out how expensive her perfume was. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the way I summed up. It's very much in the, the, the same vein here. Worship is never a waste. Worship is never a waste. It's always something that's worth doing. And I, and I think some of that has to do with where the priorities go. So uh, the, the person who says, I want to care for people in need is, has the right, has, has a good value there. The person who says that could be used for something has a good value there. But the person who says, Jesus is my king who is worthy and he's the one who rescues and saves is the one who's going to get their, their heart, who has worshiped that way, is going to get their heart ready so that they'll, they'll be equipped to do all the other things. They're, they're the person who down the row is not selling out Jesus. They're, they're the person who down the, down the way is giving up everything because uh, giving up everything for the people that Jesus cares about. Uh, so worship is never a waste. It's always something worth doing. Uh, exalting Jesus is never going to be the wrong decision. Uh, and so that's, that's where I'd go with that. Um, I, I like the extravagant thing that you're saying, uh, Eric, because uh, I, I think there's, there's definitely a temptation to hold back in a lot of ways where you say, what, what's, the, what's the minimum I can do? And so uh, to say, no, I'm actually gonna go above and beyond because uh, if, I, if I tether my heart to Jesus, that worship is never going to be a waste. It's, it's gonna be right. Have you ever been sitting near someone in a church sanctuary that is singing extravagantly? Mm. Like, I mean, yes. it's like you can just tell, like they are in it to win it yeah. in terms of worshiping. And I actually enjoy it more when those, those people can't sing well. <laughs> Because right? I think they know they can't sing well, and they don't care. They you know what I mean? Because they yeah. know that their worship is beautiful to God, and I love everything. Sometimes when I'm in the sanctuary, auditorium, whatever you call it at your church, I just really like to stand there and listen to the people mm-hmm. around me worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, have you ever gone to church and not felt like worshiping? Right? Yeah. And to worship anyway, because you know Jesus, there, there's something about worshiping, whether it's singing or whatever other act of worship you're engaged in, where you engage in the act and then your emotions and your heart follows that. Yeah. You know, so this has been free pastoral thoughts about worship with Eric Ferris. <laughs> you know what you were saying though, just about like walking into an auditorium or a sanctuary and watching people worship? Uh as the producer of most of our weekend services, I get the opportunity to do, to see that from the booth where I'm at. It's at the back of the room, and I get to see everyone's hands raised and people singing. There is a an amazing uh, older uh, woman that that stands to my right and worships. I think it's usually on the, at the Saturday service. I could be I could be mistaken, but um, she worships with everything that she has she's got her hands raised and she's swinging and swaying left and right and dancing and singing and I think to myself like how beautiful of a sight is that for me to see let alone for God to see that um that's yeah so just uh, that's you just made me think about that just I love to be able to observe other people worshiping I imagine God likes it a lot more all right let's Go to the last letter in comma, which is A, stands for application. And this is where we ask, so what do we do about this? What do we do about this? Let's hear from you guys. Mine was uh, to ask the question, just where can I be worshiping God with what I have right now? Um, Just really be intentional about looking at the different areas of my life and the people that he's placed in my life and saying, "Where, where can I be serving at right now? Eric, what about you? 
Himalayan spike nard. <laughs> Did you? I, look, I looked up. I looked up nard. Uh, so here's what nard is. While perhaps not as, um, by the way, I just Googled it. While perhaps not as well known as other oils like lavender or frankincense, spikenard essential oil is a historical medicinal tool that's touted as having both anti-inflammatory and antibacterial properties. This just became an essential oils advertisement? <laughs> I'm not selling any. Oh. With both an earthy and musky scent, spikenard essential oil is also a highly prized perfume. So it was medicine and perfume. All right. Wow. Which would explain why it was so expensive. There you go. All right. Um, my, my application for this is in Jesus, when Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you, uh, and he's teaching the disciples a lesson here. I, whenever, I read the, whenever I read the Gospels, I always try to put myself in the place of the disciples because I myself am a follower of Jesus. And so I want to try to learn whatever it is that Jesus is trying to teach, right? And so um, when, when he said, the poor you will always have with you, uh, and you can help them anytime you want, but you'll not always have me. Uh, it makes it makes me ask the question: How does my worship life and my everyday life, in terms of doing things like caring for the poor, intersect? Yeah, I don't just want to be the person that comes to church and sings songs, but then my life throughout the week doesn't reflect the fact that I follow Jesus, and I also don't want to be on the other side, right, where. I, uh, you stand in judgment of how money's being used, and and um, and you know, like you don't really have a heart of worship. You could be doing all the right things, giving your money to charity and helping the poor, and your heart be so far from God. Mm-hmm. And so, my application is to try to put those two things together: the action and the heart. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about the the fact that. Uh, right now, the the church has opened up again, so some people are gathering for worship in person. Uh, but uh, m- most of us are still each weekend at home, and there is something very weird about being expressive and excessive in your home. I I, I found this so surprising as you know, COVID happened, and I was worshiping in my living room. I thought, well, that's a that's my own space. I should be more expressive sometimes. And there, I actually feel sometimes more hesitant when it's just my wife and, and my kids there and I'm like, oh, I can't raise my hands or sing as loud as I normally would because it feels almost embarrassing. Uh, my application is when I'm worshiping, but I'm still in my living room, you know, I'm watching the broadcast to actually pour it all out, to, to not uh, hold back, not act like, well, this is reserved, uh, but to do it just just where only Jesus can see it and, and, and my wife, so. Yeah. All right, our worship is never wasted. What a great reminder. We hope you feel encouraged by this conversation after having walked through this passage from the Gospel of Mark. I know I do. We hope you'll join us next Monday for another episode. Eric will be walking us through a passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan again. And in the meantime, if you're not following along with us in the reading plan, we'd love for you to head over to BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. While you're there, you'll also find more info about the comma method that we use to walk through each passage on this podcast. Check it out and try it for yourself. It really is a helpful tool to help us understand, enjoy, and apply the Bible to our lives. Don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.